0: We are PR, pro cannabis media. It is a highly contentious subject. What does the data tell us? What does the science tell us? We should know the answers. Cannabis for a long time has been considered a fringe issue and it deserved to have a conversation about the science and the public health impacts
1: and the criminalization altogether.
0: The history of cannabis is intertwined in large part with demonizing the drug rather than trying to understand not just you know the biology and also the education. We need to really understand what these drugs do in the brain. I felt like it was really important to try to report on the latest science, how it impacts our body and brain, its potential medicinal benefits, its risk. At the same time, I don't think you can talk about cannabis and not talk about racism. So I tried to straddle both
1: we should have cannabis medicine being taught in every single medical school across the United States. And that's not happening now because of federal law.
0: There has been a lot of barriers to cannabis research because cannabis is considered a very addictive drug and not to have any medicinal value. So therefore it's labeled as a schedule one drug.
1: That inhibits our ability for funding and also research. For the first time, you've got a drug derived from cannabis for mainstream medicine. In the study
0: we've known for years it's been an effective treatment for patients with hiv it's been used for years by chemotherapy patients There their trials now looking at cannabis in terms of migraines multiple sclerosis ptsd
1: individuals that newly initiate cannabis use report it being life-changing the public has been lied to for a very long time around drugs and especially around cannabis
0: There are multiple sides to understanding this complex question, but we should understand that it also comes with responsibility, like with any other drug.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to a very special edition of In the Weeds on LinkedIn Live with Jimmy Young. I'm your host from Pro Cannabis Media. I'm the founder, the host, and a guy who has created a network that is a Pro Cannabis Media network. We are so proud and privileged to have the producer of a PBS show called Nova. This particular show that airs on Wednesday night, September 29th, we're live. So that happens to be tonight. I don't like to date a lot of my interviews, but I will tonight because we are promoting something that airs on PBS this evening. We're so happy to be joined by Sarah Holt, who is an award-winning Emmy award-winning director, producer from PBS, from the greater Boston area. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. What a journey for you as a storyteller, as someone who has uh, covered science and medical research and everything having to do with medicine. And here we come upon a plant that is probably one of the most complicated plants in our universe with information flowing on a regular basis now and you pose the question for a documentary called the cannabis question tell me a little bit about how easy or challenging it was to actually get this particular project approved and in production
0: well it was challenging i mean first of all the film was shot during a pandemic and so Even though I had identified clinical trials we were going to follow and I was going to have data on the window I was filming, COVID put a wrench in everything. So none of those trials actually had data that I could report on, even though I covered them. Um, I think the other thing which you you mentioned is just what a complicated topic cannabis is. How do you, in 52 minutes, the PBS time slot, deal with a a subject that complicated? and you know, I think the other thing that was daunting to me was when I was beginning to do research was how many films have been made on cannabis. And I kept thinking, what can I bring to the conversation that's new? And luckily, because Nova is a science show, mm-hmm. um, you know, we went into the labs of leading cannabis researchers and asked them to bring us up to date on, you know, their latest work. We followed clinical trials, we also talked to patients. And so i do think this film brings something new to the conversation
1: and it brought a lot in fact I, I i commend you for actually touching on the racial aspect of this plant and the injustices and and following one of the most upsetting stories the sean worsley story when i found out about that story and reported on it on our weekly news show we do a weekly news show called we talk news i my blood boiled it it, it just crawled, the fact that this was a veteran, the fact that this was a medical cannabis patient who was just driving through a Southern state. And then of course, law enforcement comes out of nowhere and changes this guy's life. It 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 just bothered me so much from a, a human perspective and you were able to portray it throughout the entire uh, episode of this particular documentary. Uh, so A, congratulations on using Sean Worsley's story, which has a somewhat happy ending, even though the trials and tribulations were horrible.
0: Yeah, I mean, the other thing that's really important to me about Sean's story is that a lot of people that are opposed to cannabis legalization always cite concerns about the you know, the developing teenage brain. Mm-hmm. But the other side of the story is the war on drugs has created an incredible public health disaster, especially in communities of color, because when someone's arrested, You know you look at sean um the arrest the the prison fees the bond you know getting his car his car was impounded by the time he had paid all the fees he and his wife when they got back to arizona they were broke they became homeless sean has a minor stroke later on when they're summoned back to alabama and put in jail again because um You know, Sean doesn't have a regular address. They're worried he can't uh, meet the conditions of his probation. And Ebony is in jail and she has a heart attack. So what you could see is that this arrest of a medical cannabis user, you can see just the devastating impact on their lives. And I mean, you know, Sean's story is really tragic, but there were many, many others. Um, And there are a lot of people right now in prison for cannabis possession charges, especially, but for cannabis charges in an era where, you know, it's COVID, in many states where cannabis is legal, it's considered an essential service and people are profiting from it. So the disparity in the laws is quite disturbing
1: and uh, later on uh, this evening i'll be interviewing a guy that has a sociology background his name's keith saunders he's one of the uh, former executive director of normal in massachusetts one of the founders of the freedom rally in the boston area and i can't wait to talk with him about some of the specifics that i saw in this documentary because again Uh, I've always studied society and and what we've done to the black person in this country is horrific. And the use of cannabis to fill our jails is just one of the more embarrassing um, marks on our history. And uh, it's something that I'm glad that we're starting to see the expungement of records through the efforts of another person who you interviewed for your show, Steve D'Angelo and his last prisoner project. Um, you know, he, he's done a great job of at least getting attention to the fact that our jails are still filled with people who are paying for crimes in about a substance that's now legal. And as you mentioned, people are profiting off it. So again, another another mark uh, on the good column for you, Sarah.
0: Thank you. And also, Cassandra Frederick, who we interviewed from the Drug Policy Alliance, yep. they're doing really amazing work around this issue.
1: Uh, another person that I'm going to uh, cite specifically is Dr. Uh, is Stacey Gruber from McLean Hospital here in our backyard in the Boston area. And um, I thought she was outstanding. And the work that she's doing at McLean on research is fascinating. Can you give us a little background on how you and uh, Stacy? I'm going to guess that you were pretty familiar with uh, McLean Hospital and their reputation uh, being in this area?
0: <laughs> well, the thing that's really interesting to me about Stacy's work is she's actually looking at the medical cannabis that adult medical cannabis patients are using. So mm-hmm. these people are going to dispensaries they're coming back with the cannabis that they want to use to treat insomnia, anxiety, chronic pain, PTSD and Stacy is testing those products and telling them yes this is this is this is what's in the cannabis or no you know what you think is in the cannabis it's it's actually something different but then she follows these patients so it's a longitudinal observational study it's not a clinical trial and her data has not yet been peer reviewed i don't think um but what she's doing is she's testing them periodically you know she's doing brain scans cognitive tests you know testing their executive function their overall health and wellness and you know the early data shows that people seem to be getting better and when i asked her i said "But it's a very you know disparate set of symptoms what could be the common cause and she said it might be because people are sleeping better or you know when you're less anxious you sleep better um, when you sleep better, you do better on a cognitive test. You do better on an executive functioning test. Um, so I d- it's just an unusual way for her to try to get around the barriers since cannabis is still a federal schedule one federally banned substance. It's very hard for researchers to actually work on the cannabis that patients are consuming from dispensaries
1: right and we cover what's going on in washington dc obviously here and we we recognize that uh the government is certainly recognizing that there's a contradiction in the because you've got the federal law saying one thing and you've got state laws saying another and the research element is really one of the most glaring things that has to change and now i do think we're starting to see some research grants in legal states to study the actual product that's being grown in that state so there has been some progress and i think that's the overall theme of the documentary is that this couldn't have been done 10 years ago and look how far we've come in 10 years so there was that positive aspect of there's hope for more research on the horizon right
0: Yes, I mean, I think NIDA and the NIH just announced new funding to study cannabis. And I think that, um, you know, uh, Nora Volkoff at NIDA, she's aware of some of the issues. And I think, you know, they are anxious to get these studies funded because so many people are turning to cannabis. And um, everyone seems to acknowledge that, you know, use is ahead of science. The public is moving ahead. The scientists are racing to catch up. And there are a lot of clinical trials now underway. And you know, I did say to Nova, if we waited a year, we'd have real data to report on. But they, you know, we had a grant for this time period. So um,
1: you know, we had to move forward. Independent producers pretty much have to follow wherever they can get their money. I get it. Totally. Yeah. Um, you produced um, a series or a show called Addiction and i want to talk about that word in in specifically because i had the honor of uh, talking to dr peter greenspoon quite a few times Um, i'm sure you know who he is and i asked that question of what's the difference between addiction and dependence and how do you decide when something is good for you that you become dependent on Do you still have some kind of an addiction to that product?" And he said, that's something that we discuss in psychiatry school, you know, in medical school for years. Um, What's your feeling about that?
0: I think it's difficult. I think that, you know, there's something called cannabis use disorder. Right. And if you go to the NIDA website, it it can affect 30% of patients. Yep. But when you try to look at real addiction data, I still kept finding the statistic that 9% of people who use cannabis develop an addiction to cannabis right. so you know um i think for me the bottom line is is when someone tries to stop using cannabis and they go through extreme withdrawal mainly characterized by the inability to sleep feeling irritable um that's probably when you've crossed that line into addiction and people have a very hard time stopping and one of the things that i thought was amazing in this film was we looked at a clinical trial being run by Dr. D'Souza at Yale, and he was using the body's own endocannabinoid system and trying to boost it, to make, you know, so that the patients would make more anandamide, that's our own cannabis-like molecule, to help people um, avoid the withdrawal symptoms of cannabis.
1: Right, and there are ways to use this product in a responsible manner to enhance your life. So therein lies that, uh, human clinical trial that many people who use it on a regular basis and I, I always show my ugly arthritic hands. Unfortunately, um, it it we live with this and and I try to take as much CBD as I possibly can. Again, uh, I remember um, part of the thing was at least 100 milligrams a day was a therapeutic dose. I, I keep telling people I need to bathe in CBD to get rid of the inflammation in my body, but that is just me, and I'm just one person like so many out there who are using it medicinally. And I think I use it responsibly, but it still um, is is a schedule one drug federally. I have a medical card and I know that you have to be responsible when you use this product. Where do you see us going? And as you know, we're we're right in the middle of, of some reform efforts, serious reform efforts in the federal government. There is talk about legalization, although I'll be honest, I was at the Burns and Levinson Cannabis Conference yesterday in, in Waltham and some of the biggest business people and people who have millions of dollars invested in the industry are pretty much saying they don't want legalization. They want the federal government to decriminalize it because they don't feel confident that our federal government will get legalization right. Because it's such a complicated plant and we haven't had enough research. Accurate?
0: I think that's accurate. I mean, I was quite surprised in New York City, the first efforts to legalize cannabis were vetoed primarily by um, people of color because they were really worried that big cannabis companies would come in and the smaller mom and pop operations would be wiped out. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's a complicated plan. It's a complicated topic. Um, (laughs) and, you know, right now we have a patchwork of laws and, um, you know, it varies state by state. And, you know, I, I think that the the time is going to come when cannabis will eventually be legalized. We're headed that way.
1: Right. I I don't think it's going to be tomorrow. I don't think it's going to be two years, and I don't think it's going to be five years. I think we're a long way away because I still think they have to figure out what is the best way to regulate it and what is the best way to handle interstate commerce, which is going to immediately enter into the fold as soon as there is some kind of a federal Program And I don't think they understand how best to handle that because there's so much money in each individual state. We're up to 18 or 19 legal states, depending on how you view South Dakota. And of course, 36 states now have uh, medical programs. I, I do want to point out one thing for you. And I, and I want to make sure you understand this is not a criticism, but a question. Why? And I'm sure you knew this through your research. No mention of the Timothy Leary story and how the Supreme Court debunked the 1937 Marijuana Act. Did I'm sure you know that story.
0: I know, I know. It's just, you know, the problem is, is when you have 52 minutes. I
1: Oh no, you don't have and, to explain that to me, I, you, but yeah. I and get I, it.
0: <laughs> and I, I came in with a 60 minute, a 66 minute first cut and to wow. get the show down to time. And, you know, there's so many things that, that we should have gone into, that we could have gone into, and ultimately we didn't have time.
1: I believe it and by the way i grew up in newsrooms so i understand the quick and dirty approach to news and storytelling and i just can't imagine having that much material a budget uh tremendous graphics and animations by the way is that who did that for you do you don't mind me asking
0: that is edgeworks a wonderful company edmund earl and cassandra
1: Um, i mean you know i'm watching it and i'm going wow what a great tool for storytelling that is i I love that um i also mentioned i also want to say that i give you credit for ash uh for putting rafael mishuleman uh the israeli researcher from the 60s a lot of people still don't understand that he's really the guy who discovered the intoxicating cannabinoid thc
0: yeah and it opened up a whole new chapter of neuroscience um, I mean, who knew that we made our own cannabis-like molecules, and that they bind to receptors found throughout our body, and that you know it's the most powerful regulatory system most people have never heard of, and it controls so many processes: sleep, mood, cognition, mood, memory, appetite. And when you use cannabis, you engage that system.
1: Right. It, um, it's it, it's pretty. It is pretty amazing. Um, uh, I also noticed one. You, you did fit in the NFL guy, Eugene Monroe. Needless to say, there's now dozens and dozens. In fact, I think I just saw another athlete get in. I think it's Chris Webber uh, is opening a dispensary in Michigan, which I think is a, a great, a great story, too, as more and more um, African-American athletes who are successful they want to make a difference they're entering into the cannabis space and and opening up dispensaries and hopefully opening up more and more discussions because if there's one thing that i learned about the the conference yesterday again is we those of us in media should be telling the right stories and educating others about this because if we don't it's still very difficult for the actual industry to have Forget about public service announcements, for, about the benefits of it. The FDA will shut you down in a second, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, Eugene Monroe really helped me understand that when you're a retired NFL football player, you are doomed to a life of chronic pain. And he oh. had been on a lot of opioids to control the pain and realized it was he was having issues with them and then started turning to cannabis. And he's in fantastic shape. Uh, but he uses cannabis before he works out, so he doesn't experience the pain. Um, so I felt like it was an important story to tell, and there are also a lot of clinical trials right now that are underway trying to look at, you know, can cannabis boost the, uh, if you cut, cut back on opioids and add, add THC, will that boost the pain-relieving effect? Um, Ziva Cooper's doing research like that. Janaza Cunningham is following patients that are trying to wean themselves off opioids to see if, and seeing if cannabis will help. So we'll be getting more and more data too.
1: Right, and um, I, I know, I'm sure you're familiar with Dr. Robert Stern and the BU project, um, as far as CTE research goes uh, for ex- oh, yeah, fo-
0: yeah, yeah. for
1: ex-football players. Uh, and, and, and I'm really intrigued with um, more and more football players who do get off their opioids and start, waving that flag. In fact, a recent inductee into the National Football League Hall of Fame, Calvin Johnson, and a teammate, Rob, um, I think his name is Rob Sims. Rob Sims was also a boxer, so I may have those names mixed up, up. but he opened a dispensary in Michigan, and in his NFL acceptance speech at the Hall of Fame, never mentioned the word cannabis, but did say alternative medicines for pain relief, and anybody who knew Calvin Johnson knew that he was pro-cannabis. So do you see more normalization, more acceptance as you were doing this story. Did you start to feel that there was more acceptance of the product?
0: Um, yes, especially with CBD. Um, Yasmin Hurd, who's done a lot of work on um looking at the negative impacts of early cannabis exposure to the developing fetal or adolescent brain, yep. turned around and started to use CBD to help people struggling with opioid um use disorder who are trying to um, get off opioids and, and are, you know plagued by terrible cravings and she's found that by giving you know 400 milligrams 600 milligrams of cbd it actually lessens the cravings and helps people you know it eases the pain of, of opioid withdrawal mm-hmm. and she's also looking at people that are on um you know medicated assisted treatment like suboxone or methadone and giving them cbd to release, you know, relieve anxiety and just help people succeed at getting their lives back. So, you know, I can see that she she has changed a lot, you know, from being really worried about the negative impacts of cannabis on the developing brain to all of a sudden realizing that CBD has a lot of potential to help people, you know, get off uh, opioid drugs.
1: Right. A- absolutely. And uh, those are dangerous and it's a it's a sad, sad story, but um uh more and more people are looking at cannabis as an exit drug yeah. uh, as opposed to that gateway um propaganda that was passed out there for many 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 uh, generations what was the most surprising thing that you learned about cannabis during your research and putting this uh, show together
0: well i mean i was really surprised by the endocannabinoid system i didn't realize how vast it was how many things it regulated how it was critical for keeping our bodies in balance how i controlled the release of other neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine so and i'm thinking why haven't we heard about this system so you know i was just surprised by the depth the reach i mean i didn't know we had more cannabinoid receptors in our brain than any other receptor they're on nearly every organ in the body so it made me really appreciate um, this system and it also made me appreciate the fact that um, ca- you know cannabis does engage it so when you use cannabis you are engaging the system it could be beneficial it could be harmful we don't know um, it could also open up the door for new drugs because we now have new targets
1: absolutely um any uh did you ever uh consult any rastafarians by any chance or at least think maybe uh they may have some insight i got a great interview two years ago with the guy down in jamaica and he explained to me that god put this plant on this earth for this reason they they are you know, one with the plant in many ways and why we might chuckle a little bit about that. Uh, I have tremendous respect for uh, the role that they've played in their own uh, human experiment, if you will.
0: Well, you know, one of the uh, stories I considered following was a Rasputarian, I'm gonna mispronounce the word, who had traveled to Louisiana to play music with someone and had been stopped, had a small amount of cannabis on them and ended up being sentenced to, you know, a severe you know serious amount of time in jail. And you know, I thought about trying to cover his story. Um and there's so many stories like Sean's. Um right. But that's that's the degree of my interaction. I get, yeah.
1: I get you. No, I understand. And and you know it's one of the reasons why I started my little talk shows and my new show and this whole network, because I believe that these stories have to be told and traditional media is just not comfortable talking about it to this day and i do hope that that does change and and more storytellers like yourselves that are uh, award winners and understand the power of audio and video and can tell these stories it's so important so i have so much respect for your work and and what you did and i and i know that you are very busy uh moving an adult child around a little bit in Arizona, so thank you so much for taking a little bit of your day. I encourage everybody uh, out there who watches us, uh, like, share, subscribe, but certainly tune into uh, PBS's NOVA tonight. And I might note that it's it's actually out there on YouTube too, isn't it?
0: I think it is. And I think it might be on Facebook too.
1: Well, we don't talk about Facebook, but okay. let's talk about YouTube for sure. <laughs> we'll okay. get to social media on our next uh We actually have a pretty good show coming up uh, in a couple of weeks, a week from Friday, actually. Where we'll be talking about social media censorship of the cannabis industry. That's coming up on Green Rush Live. So I'm done promoting. Sarah, okay. thank you so much you're again welcome. for joining us. It was great to get to know you a little bit and find out that there's actually a little connection because you're actually living in my hometown now. and. Uh, in fact in my neighborhood it's just that that whole connection was bizarre so uh, great to meet you thank you again for taking the time away from your personal move and we all know moving sucks no matter if it's around the corner or at any time right right all right sarah um, thank Hull, you thank- Thank you so much for joining us and In the Weeds Live with Jimmy Young on LinkedIn. And again, that'll do it for this edition. Remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly. We'll see you a little bit later down the road on more pro-cannabis media productions. Whoops. Take Pro-cannabis media. First. And by Salient Systems for Video Surveillance. You've got regulations. Salient has solutions for your security needs. And by Accounting Buds, your number one CPA specialist for the cannabis industry. And by Artery Pay. Easy, cheap, fun, and legal, just like cannabis should be.